Welcome to the Uncut Podcast. I'm Pastor Luke. I'm Pastor Cameron. And this is the Uncut Podcast, where we have uncut and honest conversations about faith, life, and ministry. Um, so, Cameron, uh, how, I don't know, how are you doing? How's your week? It's been a very hectic week. Yeah. Um, it's been one of those weeks where you feel like you like run super fast, but you're not, but then you look behind you and you're not really sure what you got accomplished. Yeah. Um, although I know that I did, Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're having a family meeting here at conduit this week. Right. I'm prepared like all hands on deck all, kind of meeting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just like, you know, good old fashioned dad yells down <laughs> or yells from the living room. All right, everyone family meeting. And, um, so did a lot of preparing for that, preparing like actual content, but then like also preparing my heart mm-hmm. for it. And of course, preparing to preach, starting a new series this week in Romans, yeah, Romans and, uh, kind of prepared two sermons, um, one for this week and like feeling like I didn't want to prepare the first one without preparing the second one too, to make sure they're connect, you know, mm-hmm. they kind of connect in mm-hmm. some way. Mm-hmm. So did that and got lots of people stuff going on all, 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 all the time the too. Yeah. Yep. Trying to shepherd people and mm-hmm. love people and, and, um, yeah, you get to a day like Thursday at, uh, Almost three o'clock, and and well, Thursdays are Friday because yeah. you know we take Fridays off. Mm-hmm. So, um, it's like I don't. My, I we'll my, see how much Friday is an off day, right? It, <laughs> it won't be for me this week. Yeah, uh, Friday is a will be a full work day this yeah. week. So, but what about you? How are you? Uh I I think I've had a little bit of an easier week, but just generally resonate with you because it's been like that month i think this mm-hmm. month has just been like a you know i don't know if it's just like everything kind of coming due at the same time or just like a lot of like um you know i was um you know we both or at least i i listen to the craig Rochelle leadership podcast mm-hmm. i know you, you I do, do too, too. Yep. so like his his talking about um last couple of episodes on that podcast have been about like momentum mm-hmm. and he talks about like it's going to take way more work than you think it's going mm-hmm. to to start and maintain momentum mm-hmm. and i'm just like yeah mm-hmm. i feel that just like mm-hmm. you just like you're like all right i want this thing to happen i want like small groups to do well i want to like you know finish this big project like it's gonna take like sticking at it like being really really doggedly determined yep and just going yeah you know and that takes a lot of energy and it just feels like there's just a lot of that right now yeah so. i i do oftentimes wonder about the balance in ministry leadership, I guess specifically pastoral leadership is where we've been obviously, but is the difference between like two types of energies, Mm -hmm. the we'll just call them like the sprinting energy and the marathon energy. Mm -hmm. So the energy where you sprint super fast for a short period of time and then the, um, and, 
kind of run at a chaotic frenetic pace mm-hmm. and what type of in what types of situations is that necessary and what type of effectiveness or efficiency do you get out of that yeah and then the marathon pace which um which i would describe which i would describe by the way that eugene peterson describes <laughs> <laughs> um which is more of like a just a long obedience in the same direction. Yeah. Right. You know, so like looking behind looking behind you and seeing years mm-hmm. of consistency that has produced or that has, you know, like produced fruit or how how has that been effective or mm-hmm. it's not efficient. You know, um, I one of my seminary professors once said that ministry do not try to make ministry efficient. It will never be efficient. <laughs> Ministry will never be efficient. It's you never going to be an assembly line. Yeah, um, it can be effective, mm-hmm. but it will it will almost never be efficient. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so, yeah i i um i don't I don't like the chaotic paces. I really don't. I yeah. feel I feel like in weeks where my pace is really fast and chaotic, mm-hmm. I feel emotionally vulnerable mm-hmm. and spiritually vulnerable. Yep. Um, I feel a little bit more, maybe a little bit more um, on edge. Yeah. I tend to, I'm a little bit shorter mm-hmm. with people. Yeah. I tend to react more than I tend to respond. Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, but there also is, Going back to your your point about Craig Grishel and his uh, get mo <laughs> get mo, get mo, go momentum mm-hmm. podcast, I do seem to um, cover a lot of ground. Yeah, in those chaotic weeks. Yeah, and the the momentum of going mm-hmm. kind of keeps me going. Yes. So it's hard yeah. to know. It is like I had a. This makes me think of a college professor i had dr kessler he was a mm. old kind of i think he liked to pretend he was more curmudgeon than he actually was mm-hmm. but he definitely you know an older pastor who retired to become a professor and teach pastors like one time he kind of paused in the middle of his lecture and he just felt like he kind of had to like say something to the younger generation mm-hmm. and he was just like you guys are so concerned with finding the right balance in life He's like, I'm going to give you a secret. There isn't any. Mm. He was just like, stop trying to fight for like some sort of perfect balance where things aren't going to feel ever crazy, where everything's going to feel perfectly balanced. Mm -hmm. He's like, it can't happen. It won't happen. You're going to have weeks where some things are going to take more of your energy than the others. Mm -hmm. Just on the weeks it doesn't have to, give it back attention to the other things that you can give Mm -hmm. attention to. Yeah. And when he said that, I really disliked it. I was like, I don't like that. Yeah. Because, like, we're, I think our generation, I think the culture is very much like, if you can find the right technique, the right time hack, time management, Mm -hmm. it's become such a big, massive thing, um, then you can find a way to make all of your tasks and get all these things done seemingly effortlessly, right? That's the belief. Yeah. And I think he's right in that that doesn't, exactly exist 
So I don't know. I've been of the persuasion that there will be times where things feel a little bit off kilter, where you're going to have to sprint a little bit in the middle of the race. You're going up a hill. Right. Maybe if we want to keep the marathon language. Mm-hmm. Um, you shouldn't do that all the time. That would be bad. Mm-hmm. But you might need to work a little bit harder to get up a certain hill. Sure. Sure. So I don't know. Yeah, it's definitely, but it's not a place I don't, I don't think either of us want to live. Cause I, I find that if I stay there too long, I eventually start like I start coming apart. <laughs> I just, yeah. you know, yeah, I, I just, I particularly don't like it because I just don't like what it does to me emotionally. Yeah. I just don't feel like I think if I really feel like it jeopardizes my ability to love particularly my family. Well, mm, yeah. Cause I come home and I'm like, just vanquished. I'm done. Yeah. Cause you're expending your prime energy yeah. here right. in the ministry. Yeah, so it takes extra work to then come home mm-hmm. and be like, have the right, be able to serve my family. Yeah. Love my wife well. Right. Be patient with my kids. Yep. Um, not, you know, like just fall on the couch and mindlessly scroll on my phone for the rest of the night or, you know, but like play chess with Noah, who checkmated me for the first time. Whoa. The other night. Shout out to Noah. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's getting really good. I don't like it. <laughs> I do like it, but right. I hate losing. <laughs> um, and uh, so, yeah, I, um, you know, those are long, maybe long, long answers to how we're doing questions. Yeah, but I think like that's pertinent to kind of what we've been talking about. We're talking about how to grow as a Christian, right? Yeah. Like, and I think, I think some of the conversation we were having last week lends to point out that like, if you're not considering things like that, if you're just saying, well, I need to grow as a Christian by reading more books, Mm -hmm. having more theological understanding. But if you're not considering, okay, what is your schedule and what is your like ability to show up and Mm -hmm. love your family, show up and love those at your church? Like, is that, is that true Christian discipleship? We're not considering that. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I agree. We, I think we talked in part one, it was technically part two of a podcast we did on yeah. how to grow spiritually, mm-hmm. but um, in part one, we talked about what we would talk about in part two. We did. What are some of those unconsidered or things that we don't often consider as key parts of the, if you want to call it recipe mm-hmm. to grow spiritually? Um, and um, I had mentioned that I thought community. Yep. You know, that community was uh, a, a really key and important part. And you had you had talked about um, spiritual disciplines, right? Yeah. Formation, formation. over information is yeah. how I kind of put it. Right. So I don't know which one of those you want to take first, which one you want to take second, but... Um, well, maybe maybe let's take the <clears throat> take the like formation idea, mm-hmm. like spiritual disciplines and stuff, because I think that'll lead us into a bit of a conversation around community and okay. set the the ground for it. You know, because like we talked about, <clears throat> what did you say were like the essentials that everybody always thinks of? Reading the Bible and praying. Reading the Bible, praying. Maybe go to church. Show up to church. Yeah, right. 
Um, and those are certainly like, those are kind of in their own way, spiritual disciplines or mm-hmm. things like that. They're things that we can do to grow spiritually, but um, there is like, you know, just because you are reading your Bible does not mean you're growing spiritually. Correct. Right. Um, there's like, there are people who make a living writing academic papers about the Bible who do not know Jesus. Mm. You know, like they're like, not every person who writes academic study on biblical texts and contributes to papers and studies is a Christian. Um, Very true. That's, you know, and so <clears throat> it simply reading the text does not make you a Christian. What are you thinking about? Who name, are you thinking about? I was going to name names. But Who are I, you going to name? I thought that that was probably inappropriate. Oh. <laughs> I was going to name people like from like Jesus Seminar. Oh, yeah, the Jesus Seminar. Mm-hmm. It's a great example. Yeah. Which like some some of you might remember. When, when was that? Was that the 90s? Well, I think from the 70s to the 90s. Yeah. Really. I mean, the Jesus Seminar was, is a, uh, essentially a group of, I mean, they're, they're scholars. They're, yeah. They're academics. His, yeah. Academics, um, historians. Some of them would call themselves theologians, I suppose. Um, but um, they took basically a, they used what, what you would call, um, or what we would call a hermeneutic of suspicion. Yes. So coming out of post-enlightenment um, time period that we're in now, we're in post-enlightenment now, um, where, where you know, the enlightenment era, so like the 1700s up into the 1900s, the 21st century or so, was all about like scientific method mm-hmm. and... Uh, formulaic understanding of pretty much the entire world mm-hmm. um, and what you couldn't explain with the scientific method was automatically treated with a suspicion of its validity or its truthfulness right can it be tested can like it in be a tested? science lab right you know and so the Jesus seminar was a bunch of was a seminar actually it was a conference or a series of conferences where um, historians theologians, academics essentially said we the lens through which we will view scripture is a lens of suspicion mm-hmm. it is guilty of being untrue right. it must prove itself to be innocent or to be found true sure yeah, right yeah. and so they essentially jettisoned every aspect of uh, both Jewish and Christian theology that could not stand up underneath um, the rigor of literary um, criticism, historical right. criticism, um, academic criticism, right. scientific criticism, and said, you know, it's you know a, a lot of them. For instance, uh, you know, one of the you know the primary things that they re- really just kind of rejected outright is the notion. Um, that Jesus is God. Well, a lot of them rejected the notion that Jesus claimed to be God. Correct. Right? Their, right. their assumption was, they're like, well, like, you know, almost no one, in case you're, you're listening and you're wondering, almost no one, if you ever find someone who's just like, Jesus didn't exist, they are in such a small minority. Right. Like, even people who are 
atheists. Yes, atheists shouldn't be denying the fact that Jesus Christ existed. As a historical person. As a historical person. Correct. Right. Um, who he think he is is where debate comes in. Right. Um, but, like, they were they were under the assumption that Jesus must have been a really good teacher, a really good rabbi, mm-hmm. who did die on a cross, mm-hmm. but he didn't rise, and he never proclaimed himself to be Christ. Correct. Or to be God. That, that's their, that's, that's their assertion. That's their assertion. And so when they read the Bible, they say, well, it, since the Bible seems to say these things, our assumption or presupposition is that that couldn't have been, that would have, that's a myth that we, that came up later as time went on and was right. added to the scripture. Yeah. So it's that kind of thing. Yes. But there's no, there's no piece or historical evidence to, to say that Christ didn't claim to be God. They're assuming, like you that see where could, that, that he couldn't be. He yeah. couldn't be. Yeah, and right. so and and so he never did. You're right. Like yeah. they're making those assumptions and yeah. things like that. Um, so anyway, so anyways, <laughs> you don't have to be a Christian <clears throat> you don't. to write theology books, right? And there's plenty. Who, yeah, and people who read the Bible are not transformed by it, and so that brings in like uh, you know a really cool way of talking about this is saying like it's not just. Uh, orthodoxy, it's so orthopraxy, yeah, right. Which is like orthodoxy and like talking about right belief. Orthopraxy is talking about right, right. Practice. practice, yeah, action. And so, which is a really like I think um, is something that our you know particularly evangelical non denominational churches don't consider very much, mm-hmm. and I because we've so much been like. Um, because a lot of like the stuff, at least when I grew, was growing up in the church, it was a lot of like, we don't want to be a dead religion. We don't want to just do things because they've always been done that way. So there's a whole lot of like freedom and expression of how we do worship and, and how the expression of it, you know, the inclusion of guitars and drums mm-hmm. and like, you know, lights and all of that stuff is kind of just like a, a freedom for how we practice worship which I think is good. But at the same time, that mass amount of freedom sometimes has led us, led the sector of the church to do things without perhaps the consideration that there are wrong things or perhaps less good things. Right. Right. We talked, did we talk about Mario Kart or the Mario church? Yes, church doing do. like the Mario yep. game mm-hmm. and stuff like, is that right practice? You know, like I like we could you could argue over like is it a right. big you know, but mm-hmm. um, but I do think that there is something to consider in not just approaching the word, but in how we approach the word, mm-hmm. and that's where I think a lot of times um, our knowledge and our skill in spiritual growth kind of wears down, where yeah. we kind of lack a little bit. Mm-hmm. Do you? Agree or do you think? No, I I, I I definitely agree. Um, I definitely agree. I mean, I think it is a little bit one in the same of the conversation that we had last week about, um, you know the, hey, the prevalence of well, I mean, going back just the definition of formation, the prevalence of the desire to gain theological information rather than letting. The theological information that you have form you and change you, you know, to 
purpose. The purpose of the information is the formation. Right. You know, so um, not just the information in and of itself. Yeah. Um, right. What's that? Oh, boy, I'm going to, am I going to be able to quote it well? Um, the passage that talks about like pride that puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. Knowledge puffs up. But love builds up. Love builds up. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I'm, I'm a big proponent when I'm talking with people, particularly people who've been following Jesus for a while, uh, and if they're feeling kind of stuck in their, like, in their, like, kind of, like, where do I go next in my spiritual growth, I, uh, I'm really um, a fan of advocating for people to, like, lean into more, oh, uh, what's the word, kind of, like, uh, less structured, contemplative. That's what I'm just mm. looking for. More contemplative ways of engaging in, with spiritual disciplines. Um, T- talk about what that, what you mean <clears throat> by that? Because co- contemplative ways and meditation, ooh, right? Like, yeah, uh, <laughs> um, seems a little new agey, right? A little like seems a little Eastern, doesn't it? Yes. Seem, oh, seems oh no! Like, why would we want to do like right. we're we're Western, Luke? Right. We have the scientific method. We can just study the book. You want me to throw this mic at we you? Don't just you study the book and get the info. Like, uh, we're we're just eggheads, egghead yeah. spirituality, right? Yeah. Why would we want to feel anything? Right. I have a like a maybe a because like I I like I grew up hearing a lot of that like. We, everyone in the Western world did right. Like it's particularly in Christian Christian. Beware of the New Age. Mm-hmm. Beware of like you know Eastern spirituality mm-hmm. sneaking its way into the Western Church. And I have really hard news for some of us. Um, Christianity is an Eastern religion. Eastern religion. Um, Jesus, Jesus was 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 tanner than us. Mm-hmm. Um, spoke Arabic. Yep. Um and was and his culture was an Eastern religion. Yeah, it wasn't a year it wasn't European. It wasn't primarily white. Yep. You know, it, uh, it was African before it was yes, white. It was you know, definitely African you know, first. Like, um was it Athanasius that said that mm-hmm. the seed of the church was in the bosom of Africa or something yeah, like that? Something like that. Something, like it yeah. like it, this is not. It was was not originally the white man's religion. Like it's, it's and it's still not. And it's still not. <laughs> and it's still. Um, not. That's a misconception. It's yeah. a misrepresentation. Um, like, and that's not to say that like Western civilization hasn't contributed massively to Christianity. I'm not disregarding any of that, mm-hmm. but it's to say that like when Psalm one talks about blessed is the one who like meditates. Mm on the word mm. of the Lord's commands and like, mm-hmm. and, and, and how he's a rooted down like a tree by streams of water mm-hmm. and bears fruit in good season. Mm-hmm. That's Eastern. Right. Meditative, reflective, contemplative. Yeah. It's, it's not a, did I understand the concept that the sentence said? It's. And can I apply it? To and my can life? I apply it to my life? Yeah. It's, is it, going to stay with me yeah. is it going to like circle circle around with it sink back down into the way that i think so that i begin to think act behave and see the world automatically through those lenses without mm-hmm. even thinking about it yeah that's a more contemplative 
like sense. Mm-hmm. Like I, I like I think like I think about like conferences. We go to conferences and we listen to talks and we're like, did you get the idea? Mm-hmm. Great. And all right, next talk. Right? Right. More contemplative way would say, what if we sat with one idea mm-hmm. for a couple of days? Yeah. And we really let that one idea sink down in sink deep. in, yeah, just sink down into all the cracks and crevices of who we are. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like a, a great way of reading scripture that benefited me when I was kind of making a shift was like one psalm a week. Mm-hmm. Like, well, a week. A week. Oh, I was gonna say, I, for a second, I thought you, I was thinking day. No, a week. Yeah. Like I would read that psalm, reflect on it, pray through it. The next day, do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And what I found is, is that the more that I did that, I'd get to day four, and I would still notice something. I was like, oh, I didn't hear that the first time. Mm-hmm. I didn't see that. I didn't see how that was supposed to apply to me the first day I wrote it, read it. If I had just read it once and prayed through it and moved on, would I have ever gotten to the fruit that I did when I was four days in? And I was beginning to see it differently. My mood, my circumstances were different from the first day I read the psalm to the second, to the third, to the fourth day. And that began to um, <clears throat> allow the Spirit to move in a different way, mm-hmm. because I was willing to sit and wait on the Lord mm-hmm. in a way that's different. Mm-hmm. I think like things like that can be a, I think, a significant shift in the way that we begin to kind of grow. Yeah. I really do wonder what it is about us as a Western Christian culture. Like where where essentially was the I know where the historical breaking point between Western between the Western and Eastern churches, but sure. like where would be like the formative breaking point or splitting off point where the Eastern church retained much of the contemplative and the Western church did not. And vice versa too, where the Eastern church retained the contemplative to the detriment maybe of the I don't know. I don't know enough about the Eastern Church to be that like. But let's just say let's let's maybe make a vast generalization sure. and say that the Eastern Church chose the contemplative over, um, like uh, a more academically rigorous yeah. approach to theology. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is. A really vast generalization because there are still Eastern academics. Yeah, there are Orthodox scholars. Yep, they exist. You know. so. um, and um, and I, I'm just wondering, like, how are even people who are listening right now are processing this conversation? <laughs> because, um, because not everybody knows about Eastern Orthodox or like the Coptic Church. Or, well, yeah, because like there's there's Orthodox churches around here. There's not many. Yeah, in Chalk County, yeah. um, but there's Orthodox. There are Orthodox churches, and so when mm-hmm. you would look at them and be like, "Wow, they need Jesus," they got incense. You know, yeah, those those Orthodox people, they need Jesus. I'm like, well, they had Jesus before we did. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> they had Jesus before we did. Um, and uh, 
So it's just a really interesting. It's just a really interesting dynamic. They're not Protestants. No, they're not even Catholic. They're not Catholics. They're Orthodox. We talk. We we talk in terms of just Protestantism and Catholicism. Yes, we forget. Or we just choose not to talk about the fact that there's Orthodox, there's Protestants, and there's Catholics. <laughs> yeah. And, and that they're different. And that they're different. Yeah, because the Catholics and the Orthodox do not get along. Right. And that they're different, their differences <clears throat> span um their differences span far before the Protestant versus Catholic yes. differences. Yep. Yep. All the way back into the third and fourth century. Right. Iconoclasm, right? The destroying of the icons and imagery in churches, or the you know the 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 questions about the nature of um, the Holy Spirit in relationship to the Trinity mm-hmm. in the creeds. Yep, you know, and um, so <laughs> like we're talking about like brick and mortar type of stuff to church history mm-hmm. that doesn't that really is completely foreign. To I would say ninety five percent of probably ninety eight ninety nine percent of Protestant Christians who attend churches today. Yeah, like no idea what the Orthodox. No church idea. Is. Like and also like there's you know like uh, we deal with a, a significant population of people who uh, are ex Catholic. Yeah. In in one way and and that experience can even color your own color a way of seeing Catholicism and seeing orthodoxy in like, why well, I left that. Why would I ever go to see what's valuable there? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I don't know you back to the original question, I guess was like, you said, when, when did that split happen? Like, I don't think either of us are historical scholars enough to have a good answer no, to that question mm-hmm. other than, I would say that, like, there's definitely something in um, the shift from the shift in scholasticism from classical to like scientifical or to like enlightenment. Like that shift, like, is is pretty big. Like when we think about how, like, if you've ever learned about how the Greeks taught. Right, they taught with the, what's called the Socratic method. Mm-hmm. Right, student comes to the teacher with a question. The teacher is not supposed to give the answer. The teacher is supposed to give another Ask question. Another question, and you're supposed to like, you know, like teacher, what's the meaning of life? And they're like, what do you think that I'm not yeah. very good at the Socratic what is life? Method. What is life? <laughs> you know, what is meaning? You know, like, um, and and so teaching through this kind of contemplative. Um, thinking where it's more about learning to ask good questions, sitting with questions and trying to wrestle them through dealing with virtues and values and applying them. Like that's all very classical Greek. And then at some point there is this massive shift to like, all right, here's the study guide for the test. Be here in time. Like it'll be multiple choice with short answer, you know, like that's so different than like, Give me like your reflections. The discovery process. The discovery process. Rather than a right and a wrong. Right. Like here's the textbook. The test will be to the textbook. Like mm-hmm. that's so how like we're educated mm-hmm. in our like even in liberal arts mm-hmm. colleges. That's the way for some reason liberal arts classes are taught. Like, oh, give me a like, you know, here's the textbook, you know, multiple choice answers out of the textbook. Like mm-hmm. That's not 
that's a totally different way of thinking. That's very much like there is a right answer versus like, let's reflect upon it and make an argumentation and maybe, you know, and, and bounce things off. I think that like plays a significant role in how we see the world and even how we approach the Bible. Cause we talked about in our like very first episodes, people treating the Bible like a textbook. Right. This has got the answers. Yeah. Yeah. Which it does. Which it does. But not in the same way that your, you know, earth science and ninth grade book has the answers. <laughs> right. Thing, you know? Right. Yeah. Okay. I don't have any idea what we just talked about, but it felt good. So. <laughs> well, it felt good. I like, well, I mean, <clears throat> there, there is like a things form us. Maybe that's like a underlying principle that we can talk about. I think leads to your place of like things have an impact on us, right? What I spend my, what I spend my time doing and how I spend my time doing it, like has an impact on it. You, you've done a lot with like physical training and stuff like this. And Mm -hmm. so like, I would wager to say like, like, what would you say about practice? Like how you practice? Oh yeah. How you like, how you practice is how you perform. Like mm-hmm. how you do it in, um, what what we say is, um, you know, the there's the phrase, you know, practice makes perfect, mm-hmm. and I will say that I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I think practice makes permanent. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you practice something wrong, it's not perfect. You're gonna do it wrong every time yep. because you've you know, practice makes permanent, perfect practice makes perfect. So Mm -hmm. the things that we do on a regular basis are the things that are permanent within us, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, on both a negative and a positive positive way scale. Right. Right. So if we're continually soaking our mind with the word of God, Mm -hmm. you know, it is that, it is that continual, that continual meditative mm-hmm. over and over and over again, not letting go of it, feasting on it, yep. letting it, you know, drinking of the river of life that will form within us, you know? Um, so yeah, I think that, uh, and, and I think too, like there are also very active forms of formation. Mm-hmm. Like it's not, it's not just completely like, uh, it's not just a mind exercise. No, yeah. So I'm like thinking of fasting. Even mm-hmm. I would I would classify fasting as a formative or a yes. formation, mm-hmm. a point of formation where, you know, we're we're um, involving our whole selves, our whole bodies, mm-hmm. our minds, our emotions. Mm-hmm. You know, our definitely spirits. Our yes. yeah, definitely our emotions. Right. Uh-huh. Fasting is not. Like if you're gonna fast for a day, like <laughs> there again is a perfect example. Your body has practiced eating eating every four to six hours. Yep. And so when it doesn't eat every four to six hours, it gets angry. Yep. With you, right? But in in reality, right? What does fasting tell us? Fasting teaches us that. You do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, right? You, we can, we, we, um, we submit our physical bodies to surrender of the Lord in the act of fasting that our 
flesh would not our our flesh would not um demand things over our spirit mm-hmm. um and that we can begin to master um we can begin to master the desire of the flesh so that we can awaken the perception of the spirit to the spirit of God. Yep. Mm -hmm. So that we can begin to hear God more clearly. Um, And so fasting is a, is an aspect of formation. It's Mm -hmm. not, it's not information. Nope. You know, it's formation. It's an, it's a, it's an active thing that we do that forms us into the person that, the Lord desires us to be. Um, so, so like it's when you start thinking through a formation lens, you start seeing like you can start to apply it to all of life in some degree, mm-hmm. like thinking through like what's, 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 what am I doing? That's forming me in a opposite direction right. of the way I want to be. hundred percent. Right. Yep. And then, a significant, like I think, a significant portion of what forms us is the people who are around us. Yes, you know, mm-hmm. like what? What was that quote that you? I don't know where you got it from. Were there like some uh, or the average of like some of our? You were you were the average of your five closest acquaintances. Yeah. So statistically speaking, you are right. You're the average of them. Mm-hmm. Um, which means you might be the strongest or like there's going to be, if you talk about like physical strength, there's going to be people that are stronger than you. There are going to be two people, two people in a group of five that are stronger than you, two people in a group of five that are weaker than you. Mm-hmm. You're the average, right? Um, same goes for your character. Same goes for if you want to make your, the closeness of your walk with Jesus on a scale. Yep. Right. Or your the whole, put your holiness on a scale. Mm-hmm. Or you're going to be the average of the five closest people that you spend your time with. Right. So, um, so yeah, I think that that phrase, you're the average of the five closest people like, okay, well then I want to be around the most significantly holy people that I could possibly find. I want to be around people who are going to shift me up the bell curve. Well, that's exactly it. Right. Mm-hmm. If I, if I pursue, um, if I pursue proximity to four other people whose lives are producing fruit in keeping with repentance and holiness. Mm -hmm. And I say, okay, I'm here now. Like I'm teach me, disciple me, pray for me, encourage Mm -hmm. me, exhort me, admonish me, Mm -hmm. all those things. Then just by virtue of my proximity with them, they will, like yeah. I will be pulled up to that level yep. eventually, yep. right? Yep. There's like the recovery saying of like, uh, if you want what we have, do what we did. Not what we're doing. Not what we're doing. Is that the, is that the other end? No, it's or, not. Or, but I'm just, I, I just yeah. added it to it. I don't know. Is it the end of it? Is it I the other know. end of it? I don't know what it is, but, but do what we did. Yeah. Right? Because we see people and we want like, okay, I want that. Mm-hmm. I want the product of all mm-hmm. that they did. Yes. Right. right. It's like trying to show up and like yeah. be like win a win a martial arts tournament without having shown up to practice. 100%. Well, and if you keep if you keep it in the language of the attic, right? Mm-hmm. I want the I want the newfound freedom of a person's life 
at the one year sober mark. Mm-hmm. Well, then you have to do what they did. Yeah. You have if to go a year. If you're one day sober mm-hmm. and you want the fruit of what their life is now producing because of the 365 days sober, then you got to do 364. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to do, you got to do the days. Right. And um, there's no other way. There's no other way around it. Right. right. Um, but I guess all of that is to say that my, my belief, my contention is that one of the most overlooked aspects of spiritual growth is community is the people that we are around. Mm -hmm. And I think the refusal to recognize that we need other people is a, is the, is the height of pride. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's the it's the absolute height. Well, it's not the height of pride. Well, I mean, to say that pride, we don't need God. Yeah, that's um, yeah. right. But, but there's no such thing as the Lone Ranger Christian. No. You know, anytime I mean, people have heard this all the time, but anytime you know the Christians are mentioned in Scripture in the New Testament, it's a it's a plural word. Yep. Both in the English and in the Greek, right? We're talking about saints, not a single saint. Right. Uh, we're talking about the church as a body, which Paul says has many parts, and they all come together to form and function one body whose head is Christ. One part cannot say to the other, I don't need you, right? Mm-hmm. There are no um, there are no unignoble parts, you know? Yep. Um, all parts function in the same, uh, with the same level of importance as they um, relate to the body. And... And in particular, and I mentioned this last week, in particular, not just, not just, I, I don't think that it's just being around people that helps you to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. Right. But being around people who share the same value for community yeah. as you do. Yes. You know, and we call that community gospel community. Yep. Right. Um, and so, so there are like, I think some, I think that there are some, um, that there are some presuppositions or there are some, let's just say givens that should exist within community that is gospel centric. Mm -hmm. Um, the first is that like, and most significant is that the, the most, central component to gospel community is the component of love. Mm-hmm. So if we look at that from a practical standpoint, it would be like where I tell you um, that Luke, you don't ever have to wonder if I love you or not. Mm-hmm. You can, you can not just assume, but you can know that my, Permanent posture towards you is one of love. Mm-hmm. It's love. Um, and so you never have to wonder like, oh, does he like me or not? Or am I accepted here? Mm-hmm. Right. What, 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 what we're doing here is we're saying, okay, let's strip away the natural insecurities that filter their way into relationships between people. Yep. And let's say, no, the, the basis of our relationship is not one of uh, not one of you being the type of person I like to be around. The basis of our relationship is the love of God in me and the love of God in you 
and our mutual love for one another. Mm-hmm. Therefore, right? You are you are safe, you are secure, right? And so because because love is the foundation, love opens the door for all of the other beautiful things that the gospel allows us to practice in relationships. Mm -hmm. Things like um, forgiveness. Mm -hmm. Like forgiveness is given and forgiveness is received. And there's the, you know, you never, you never, you always hope that you never hurt someone or that you sin against them. Sure, we don't want to. We don't want to do mm-hmm. that, but but we do. And and in the world, if you hurt someone, if you sin against them and you say, "I'm sorry, would you will you forgive me?" Mm-hmm. right? You don't always know the response you're going to get back. Like, "No, screw you." Mm-hmm. Right? Or, "Yeah, I forgive you, but then like I'm bringing it up in two weeks and I'm going to bring it up in three weeks <laughs> yep, and I'm going yep, yep, to yep. remind you of it. I'm going to hold it over your head and mm-hmm. you're going to owe me and mm-hmm. all that. Right. Mm-hmm. Not forgiveness. No, that's not forgiveness. Nope. Um, but in gospel community, forgiveness is extended, received, mm-hmm. done and over with. Mm-hmm. Right. Because if the model of our forgiveness of one another is the model of God's forgiveness of us in Jesus Christ. We know that he has taken our sins and placed them as far as the East is from the West, which is to say they're gone. Right. Keep no no record. Keep no record of wrongs. Right. Mm -hmm. So we have love as the foundation and then it opens it up to all kinds of beautiful things that the gospel um, allows us to do, which is forgive. Mm -hmm. Right. Which is all uh, another another beautiful thing is it gives us the um, it gives us the permission gospel community gives us the permission um, to speak the truth of God's word into someone's life when we see a discontinuity between the life that they're living and the truth of God's word without it being from the place of judgment, right. but it being from the place of I love you. And I want like the truth of God to reign in your life and produce fruit that's keeping with repentance. Right. It's not a, I got you. It's a, hey, I love you. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And I know that you want this for yourself. Exactly. Right. You're not going to look at me and be like, how dare you? Right. How dare you do that? You're like, you have no right because right. gospel community assumes the right of others to speak into you. Mm-hmm. Because, and, and the reason it assumes that is because of the foundation of love, which assumes their best interest for us. So there's forgiveness, there's whatever you want to call that, accountability or exhortation or admonition or whatever. Um, Then I I think that like, um, I, I think that there's like a, Maybe it's not talked about so much so in like community, but like there's this other like beautiful thing about gospel community where it's like um, rejoicing with those who rejoice, mourning with those who mourn, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? Um, bearing, um, bearing one another's burdens, yeah, 
mm-hmm. where there becomes a uh, where you be where you where you share where you now share in a real way um, the the real experiences of life. So when someone is rejoicing, they've had, you know, they've, they've had a baby, they're getting married, they got a new job, something great is happening in their life. You are, you are legitimately able to rejoice with them. Mm -hmm. And when they mourn, when there's a significant loss, when they've got a diagnosis, when they, uh, you know, you're, you're there to mourn with them. Yep. Um, when they have a burden, you are there to shoulder mm-hmm. the burden alongside of them. Yep. You know, you're they don't they don't carry the thing alone. You are you are yoked together, yeah, by faith in Christ. Mm-hmm. And so, what was maybe a single yoke that they were carrying now becomes a double yoke, and you yep. carry it together. Um, and so you no longer have to go through the experiences of life um, alone. Mm-hmm. And and then if you take the, if you step back from all of that and you take like the 20,000 foot view on it, you will look at that gospel community and you'll say, wow, all of those people look so different. They're they're white, they're black, they're Asian, they're Indian, they're European, they're Brazilian, they're, they're Democrat, Democrat, they're, they're Republican, Republican right. they're you know, they're male, they're female, they're you know, they're a, a thousand different categories that the right. world um they root for the Steelers, not the Bills. Oh my, like well, let's not go too far here. <laughs> uh a thousand different categories that the world breaks us up into. Mm-hmm. And you'll say, okay, well, what is the thing? And what is then the common thing? Right. Well, the common thing is our faith in Jesus Christ. It's Christ. It's Christ. It's Jesus, right? right? It's the fact that we're now a new family in Christ. Yes. We are a community that is linked together, that is bonded, welded together <clears throat> by the gospel. Yep. The good news of Jesus Christ, right? And so... Um, you know, I think that if you go through life really hoping to grow spiritually, but never, I think it's a submission to gospel community, Mm. submitting yourself to gospel community. Yeah. Because you can show up the gospel community, but you can... Not be there. Not submit yourself to gospel. Not community. be there. Yeah, yeah. Gospel community. I think in a, not always. You know, it's there are reasons that people good reasons to leave churches. We talked about that a few yep. weeks ago. But like, if you find yourself like jumping around church to church to church to church to church, you know, you know, five churches in ten years, the problem ain't the church. Yeah. It's not, Mm -hmm. you know, um, and so when you refuse to submit yourself to gospel community, um, I, I don't think you should 
be super shocked or surprised when you feel a little stuck in the spiritual mud. Yeah. Uh, because you're missing one of the key components or ingredients to growing. Yep. Growing in your faith, growing in and sp- growing your spirituality. Mm-hmm. So it's always like a little cheeky to hear people like, well, I need my Bible, a journal. I'll just go into the woods. It'll just be me and Jesus. And we'll just live our lives out like that. Like, yeah. I mean, like I understand the sentiment and I, I get it. Sometimes I feel that way. <laughs> I feel that way too, but like, yeah, but you're, you're the heart is deceitfully wicked. Yeah, you're gonna you're missing it, man. Yeah. You're gonna miss you're gonna miss gospel community. You're gonna miss being on mission. Who are you gonna Who are you gonna be on mission to? The trees, like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you gotta be as on, important trees are, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, but you, like I think that thing that you talked about, like not going through life alone, like the gift of presence is so huge. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Don't don't deprive yourself of right. of that. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you can't do it. Mm-hmm. Or you should. You can, but you shouldn't. Mm-hmm. It's hor. It's horribly painful. Yep. And I would also say, don't allow the world to deceive you into thinking that you can find the same thing outside of the community of those who are following Jesus. Mm-hmm. You might find bits and pieces of it. Yeah. But it will not last. Yeah. It will not. Um, I think I did, maybe I did talk about this last week about how there's just like this prevalence of people calling every, every place that yeah. they spend their time. Well, this is my work family, right? my work family, my football family, my <clears throat> soccer family, my, online family. my online family like yeah. my gaming family my this family my my neighborhood family like yeah. um those are affinity groups not yeah. families right like they they it's amazing how quickly like i don't want to like i don't want to say that like you know friends that you make at work are like that you can't make good friends at work But I would say that it is so easy, and I would say the majority of friends you probably make at work, if you were to stop working there, how would that relationship change? Right. Would you maintain Mm -hmm. friendship with that person the way that you are now? Or is it a like, hey, we're both people that seem to at least be able to tolerate being in the same room while we're doing this job. Let's at least give ourselves some company while we're doing this job, but outside of that, is it actually family? Mm-hmm. That's right. rarer. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and it's not like those things are inherently bad. No, it's not. Football family, soccer family, work family, gaming right. family, whatever. You, you should have friends at work. You, should, you absolutely you should, should. You should make nice with your coworkers. Yeah. If you're not doing that. Create community in other places. Yeah. Right. Just understand that like it, it is limited by the pervasiveness of sin. Mm-hmm. Not that gospel community is not limited by the pervasiveness of sin, but right. what I'm saying is that when you find it and when you can build it, and this is another thing. You don't just find gospel community. It, it can't just be assumed. Hmm. It must be built. Yeah. 
You must be an active participate participant in building the dynamics of gospel community. Yeah. So you can jump right in a group of people and have and call it gospel community. But if you're not willing to forgive the person across the table, which is hard spiritually mature work to do, yep. then then you're not exhibiting gospel community. So you're not a part of it. And then you're going to say, well, gospel community is BS. It doesn't exist. Well, of course it doesn't exist because you're not pursuing it and building. It exists within you. Right. It takes Christ in you. The hope of glory, the righteousness of God, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So community people, it's where it's at. It's where it's at, man. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, hopefully that gave answers more than it gave questions. I don't yes. Know. Maybe we'll get a slew of questions of people asking us if we're going to become Orthodox or something. You know what I think we should do? What? I think we should go to an Orthodox church yeah. service. Yeah. Let's do it. We could have an Orthodox on the podcast. Do we know an Orthodox? I do. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, and not to say that, like, is not yeah, an yeah. expert in the no. field or anything well, like he's that. Relatively but like, new to re- that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's like you know, <laughs> he's he not. Just, he's not a priest. <laughs> he just de- decided to leave Moody and start going to ortho- in an Orthodox church. Right? It's not like he's really deep into it. Um, but I think it would be a really interesting experience. I would. I would. I would really love that. That would be a fantastic conversation. So, mm-hmm. there are other people that I really want to be able to interview on the podcast. Maybe we should like. Maybe we should aim for that. Start. Think about how we can like mm-hmm. work in episodes where we're kind of inviting people onto the podcast. And yeah, stuff, so. I'm going to shoot my shot and invite John Tyson. All right, I want to interview John Tyson so bad. Let's do if it. If you're in New York City, you know John Tyson, Pastor Church of the City in New York, or if John Tyson, you listen. If you're a subscriber and a fan of the Young Cut Podcast, we I I will we'll drive to New York. I'll drive to New York City. We'll set up our podcast studio there. I know you have your own podcast. I get it. It's fantastic. I love it. But there are so many things, so many questions I want to ask you. Um, so, yeah, if you know John Tyson, tell him. Yeah. Pastor Cameron wants to interview him for his podcast. That'd so be fun. It would be a lot of fun. Okay. Thank you, as always, for listening yeah. to the Uncut Podcast. Send your text or questions, 716-201-0507. Comment, like, subscribe, share. Appreciate All you. All those things. We'll see you next time.